Blog Talk Radio. Built on. 
Then it goes into the naysayers. As the conversations progress with the brothers and sisters, we begin to talk about the naysayers. Those people that say, oh, you're, you know, these white folks will never give you a nation here in America. You will never be able to get the five states for those of us that uh, subscribe to the ideology and philosophy, the political philosophy of separation as um, is promoted and encouraged by the Republic of New Africa. Um, you know, they say Negroes have never come together. Black people can't work together. You know, we're not. And, and the religious differences, that's been a lot of the focus. The various theologies and religions that black people practice um, will keep us divided. And as long as we practice the outer religion or the white man's religion or the so-called Jewish religion, we'll never come together as a people. But are these real things? Are these real things? Or is it? Neo-colonialism and the colonialist thinking that keeps us divided, that keeps us, prevents us from building a nation. We see it around us every day. When the other ethnicities come here, and even though they don't, um, you know, when they come here, they haven't clamored for five states or they haven't clamored for this location. It is just innate for them to move into the same areas, to begin to do business with one another to be social to one another, hospitable, and to even look out to degrees of economics, you know what I'm saying, social social support, and they do it. I'm coming from Cleveland, and I used to make trips to, um, coming from the Midwest, I used to make trips to Michigan, and they have a park called Dearborn, Michigan. You would think you're in Saudi Arabia. The nationalism is so strong there that even their signs are in Arabic. I had an opportunity when I was with the Minister of Justice, and we were rolling through New York, and she took me through to show me, and those that remember my post when I was showing you Chinese nationalism, she took me through Chinatown. I didn't see anything but Chinese signs. I didn't even see a fast food restaurant. Let me show you how strong nationalism is. I didn't see a fast food restaurant. Maybe it was one, and we didn't turn the block that it was on, but I didn't see a fast food restaurant. This is the strength of cultural unity, that they didn't want that garbage there, that they prefer their own cuisine, their own foods. I didn't see big fancy malls and things of that nature. I saw things that they ran and they operated. So what prevents us from becoming a nation? The other thing was that was brought up, which I thought was a valid point. We're talking about the Black Panther movie and how Billions of dollars were spent on the black, you know, to go see Black Panther. My reply to that was that billion dollars are being spent in the entertainment industry anyway. What they did was just capitalize. They had all black people spend those billions or spend their two or three dollars that contributed to making up the billions on one particular thing and that being a movie. So there's billions of dollars out there. So we ask ourselves, so this is the question. This is what we're posing tonight. This is what I want to talk about. What prevents us from having a nation, and is that realistic? Is that a realistic goal? Or is that what you hear me constantly talking about on the program, more pushing of a utopic idea, you know, some escape escapism? Is this just something that a lot of so-called progressive organizations use to galvanize the masses of Africans to bring in the unsuspected or the downtrodden or the just tired, downright tired Africans and to have them invest in something that isn't feasible? 
I personally think that is feasible. I think that it's achievable. I think that we have to have our mind together, though, and we have to be clear on that. And in order to build a nationhood, uh, to begin to establish nationhood or to build a nation here, I think that it's not so much agreeing on a, a particular religion or some particular philosophy, but it begins with the culture. Now, now well, hear me out. I know I have some staunch revolutionary black nationals out there, and they're saying, oh, brother, Yanger, this Negro, this nigga, they flipped over to the cultural nationalism. He then went... I'm not talking about that. I'm not talking about sitting around, you know, just lighting the incense and our beautiful dashikis and spitting African facts or black facts without putting some black work behind it. That's not what I'm talking about. When I'm talking about culture, like my comrade and I were discussing, we were talking about a culture of resistance, a culture of resistance, a culture that begins to embed in us the very um, – thing we need that when we take on something that's detrimental, not just to us as individuals, but to us as a people, it begins to trigger a feeling in us, a desire to do better. We innately know that this thing we're participating in, whether it's an action, a thought, speech, is not beneficial, is not edifying for the African people here in America. We've lost that culture of resistance. We've adapted a culture not just of assimilation but of acceptance, and we accept any type of garbage and trash that is pushed to us. We accept any garbage and trash that pushed to us. All in the and, and maybe it's the conditioning. You know, let's not. I'm not going to sit here in front. Our history here in America has been a brutal one. It has been brutal. It's not just psychological. It has been physically traumatic. Our being here in America has been physically traumatic. If we did anything that resembled where we came from, our place of origin, if we did anything or said anything or behaved any way that um, tied us back to our place of origin, it was physically, in a lot of instances and cases, physically removed from us. It was beaten. Or the trauma of us doing it was beaten into a genetic memory. It reminds me of the movie Avatar. You know, I'm a science fiction buff. And in the movie Avatar, this white boy, this white man, the general, he goes to their tree. He says, I am going to blast their tree so badly that it will leave an impression in their genetic memory for a hundred years. That's some heavy stuff. He said it will leave an impression in their genetic memory for 100 years. And we find this happening. We find that that has happened to us. So even to the point of we begin to be concerned about being too black in places, too ethnic. And some of us go so far as not even to be concerned about being too black. We will tell other people we become so uncomfortable in, in in our Africanness, in our blackness, that we will begin to admonish our brothers and sisters about being too black. <laughs> really, really. So we go to, with these type of things, is nationhood feasible? You're listening to the People's Black Panther Party, Blog Talk Radio, the People's Voice, Independent Black Talk Radio. Listen, press one if you like to chime in, join in the conversation. You know how we do. Let's go back and forth. Let's create a dialogue. I love to see what you think about it. Do you think it's feasible? Because 
Whether we like it or not, we're here. We're here. And at some point in time, we're going to have to discuss realistically what we're going to do about being here. We have too long allowed people to take our fate in their hands and us not make moves to control our destiny. This is why we call ourselves the People's Black Panther Party for self-determination. Because that's what we're fighting for. Self-determination. We know that we have the right to self-determination, but now we're fighting to be placed in a position to be a self-determinant, a, a independent, a self-determinist people. To be completely and totally free of those things that would influence and hinder a natural development. But we have to begin to start with ourselves and to start with a realistic goal. I think nationhood is realistic. I think that the Republic of New Africa was definitely on to some things. I think President uh, Obadeli and a lot of the other, General Rashid and a lot of the founders of the Republic of New Africa were definitely on to some magnificent, magnificent things, but like it has been brought to my attention lately, the not the vision of it, but the operating of it has changed from nation to organization, the whole concept of nation. So what is that? And why these discussions are important is because you and I, brothers and sisters, those of us that came up in the movement, and even if you didn't come up in the movement, came up under the influence of the of of those predecessors who sacrificed for a, and, and, and fought in the struggle for black advancement and empowerment, we came up under that protection to a degree and the influence of that. Where are we in this struggle to developing a nation, if that is the goal, and what are we leaving for future generations? This is why these conversations that we have are so important. We can no longer continue to take this as a hobby, as just something we do on the side. I'm black part-time. I'm, I'm sometimes conscious. It's the hip thing to spend some black facts and to sit around, but to really begin to not just spit the facts, but to take actions to develop what we're trying to do or to at least point us in the direction that we're trying to go. I think to me personally, nationhood would begin with just like I said, not that it starts with that culture of resistance that will begin to put something in us that, um, man, what's the words I'm looking for? Something in us that will be uh, move us emotionally, mentally, even physically away from the things that are a detriment, the things that harm us. The first step of nation will start in the mind. It doesn't take any big, you know, it doesn't take all of this extra. You know, it doesn't take the fancy words. It doesn't take, you know, I, I, you know, in the in the very beginning, our black intelligentsia, our black, you know, the black elite, the black intellectuals. It doesn't take all of that. It simply takes the willingness to begin to work together. It's that simple. We can go back to the very basics of starting with speaking to your neighbor. Real talk. It's real shit. Speaking to your neighbor. How many of us know our neighbors? We can go back to the basics of offering a brother and a sister a smile. 
begin to take responsibilities for our thoughts and being realistic about who we are and what we are and the influences of outside ethnicities and the influences of this society that has been the fabric that has been uh, woven with oppression, racism and discrimination, murder, exploitation, and every other ill that has plagued the planet Earth when it comes to the human species and socializing and socialization, civilization building. Those ills, addressing those ills. And when being realistic about it, stopping for that moment and just checking ourselves when, when we say, you know, something to the fake niggas ain't shit. Let's check that. Let's, let's see why we feel like that, where that came from. I don't deal, I don't do black business and I don't, I, I was treated unfairly one time, which is my biggest thing. You know, some of the things that stop us from, I don't deal with black people. Black people don't know how to do business. What people you do know how to, what people have you dealt with? Because I need to know, brother or sister, what people that have you dealt with that has done business with us fairly? You see, what people have you have you dealt with that has been equitable, that has been right and exact in doing business with us? So checking this mentality goes a long way. And if not for us, like they say, you can't teach an old dog new tricks. Okay, granted. But we begin to start... Because that attitude, when we start checking these attitudes, when we start being conscious of how we think and what we say, it isn't so much for us. We begin to listen to our children. You see? We begin to listen to our children. And we can check that behavior at the age that the ages they are now, which a lot of us have children at the age of influence. They um, at that age of where they still can be easily influenced. So we can check that in them and create in them a sense of unity. We can create in them the awareness of anti-African behavior and actions, speech, thoughts, because this is what it's about. Nationhood is not about, you know, one of the things that I will talk about, let's talk about some of the things that prevent nationhood. To me, it is we are instant gratification. We have, I call us the microwave age. You know, I call it the microwave age. We want things in three minutes or less. We want them overnight. There's no working. There's no waiting. There's no, we want it now, instant gratification. We want a ball. You can even see it in the music. You know, remember, you know, I'm, listen, I'm a date myself. You know what I'm saying? I came up, and my teenage years was in the 80s. And even the music was different. You know, not only was it we coming out of the 70s, where there was a strong black is beautiful black power culture. So you still seen the remnants of that in the eighties. We rocked the Nefertiti medallions. We rocked the African medallions. We had cross colors. You know what I'm saying? Our music reflected that. Not only did we have so-called conscious groups, but even our hustle music, even the music that was talking, when we talk street talk, they were still teaching a lesson. What were they saying? Stack paper, get money, folding bank, investment, big boss. Even though we were emulating Italians, mafia, running shit, we were talking about control and having things and being a boss and, you know, stacking and folding paper. Now we look at the music. 
when we looked at the influence of materialism, when they hit us with the materialism, when capitalism turned up that extra degree, that extra knot, and hit the black community with materialism and flooded us with this bull stuff, the music began to reflect that. It wasn't about ownership. It was about branding. The MCs became walking commercials. And I know a lot of y'all out there like the rappers. Let's call a spade a spade. Not only did they take on, you know, we had, I ain't even going to say African Bambada. I know how everybody feel about African Bambada. <laughs> but, you know, our rappers reflected, they had names that reflect, you know, knowledge reigns supreme over nearly everyone. Karis One, Public Enemy, Brand Nubians, Poor Righteous Teachers. With the names reflected a culture based on a culture. This is a part of nation. Nations have culture. So they reflected this culture. Then we got into the age, and we're coming to age, where you got black men calling themselves amigos. Little poppy. This is how we do. This is one of the things that prevent us and hinder us from having a nation. We begin to assimilate anybody. Anybody. I mean, we assimilate anybody. And let me tell you, like I tell these young brothers I talk to, I say, you assimilating all of these people, the Latino, old men, the cartel, the connected, this. Man, ain't nothing more dangerous than a nigga. I've never heard the cartel kill somebody over $5. Negro will murk you over five dollars. So who is more dangerous than that Negro? If that's what you get off on. And not only have they taken on these monikers of other ethnicities, their music, like I said, our music said stack money, full bank, get paper. Their music, which, which, which prevents nation building, promotes materialism, overindulgence, not just misogyny of the black woman. But every other sickness, what does it say? Ball in, make it rain, spend your money. Versace, Versace, Versace. Got a Gucci belt, $500 outfit. It's encouraging materialism and consumerism, not entrepreneurship, not production, not owning nothing. And then not only consumership of uh, uh just consuming, but consumers buying into these very businesses and companies and corporations that come out later and say they didn't make their product for you. Then you want to get mad and boycott. I'm boycotting. My man Jay-Z, love me some Jay-Z. Don't drink Crystal. You see what I'm saying? Don't wear Tommy. I remember the whole Tommy Hill figure thing and, you know, now Versace, I think, is one of the things. I don't really keep up with it like that. So this prevents us, we don't see the worth in ourselves, and we are the ones that make, when we're talking materialism, we make those companies. We do more free advertising than you would believe. We do. We make nice air. We make all of these fancy sneakers and clothing and Things that we do free advertising without asking for one thing back to our community or giving back to us because we don't see the value and the self-worth in ourselves. This is one of the things that hinder us from becoming a nation. Let me tell you, we can laugh at those Spanish people. I'm down here in the South, so we got Mexicans. For my listeners up in the North, I think y'all are Puerto Ricans and stuff. And let me tell you, I was up there. I've been, you know, I do my tour in the north. One thing I learned that Puerto Ricans don't like to be called Mexicans. <laughs> They're serious about their stuff, yo, and they're Mexican. You know, you, you got to forgive me. I'm from the south. Everybody that speaks Spanish is Mexican. 
I know it is generalization. It is that's probably racist as hell, but yo, it is what it is. But I'm learning. I'm learning. But our Brown brothers, we can laugh at the Brown brothers as much as we want to. You know, like I said, down in the south, I'm with the Mexicans. You can laugh. You see them in the group. They may have an old Run DMC shirt on. They may have a cowboy hat. They may have the oldest kicks and sneakers in the world, not the new latest trend, but they own communities. When you go into a store in their community, you're speaking Spanish. They own the store. They don't need the materialism to make them feel worthy. This is why I say we need a resistance culture. Why? Their culture has set guidelines and principles, has set more ways and no ways, has set the standard of manhood and womanhood, has set the cultural standard for what a family looks like and how a family should be operated and ran. While we still allow other people to determine what manhood is for us. And as long as you like, let your enemy, like our dear brother Malcolm taught us, he said, if they don't treat you right, what makes you think they're going to teach you right? And if you don't allow, if you allow your oppressor to set the standards of manhood, do you really honestly believe that he's going to set a standard that you as a black man can achieve? If you allow your oppressor to set the standard from what constitutes a real woman, do you honestly believe, black woman, that he is going or she is going to set a standard that you can achieve? all a ploy. So nationhood must can it 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 one of the components, one of the key ingredients in this wonderful gumbo called nationhood has to be a sense of self worth. And that's why I say that culture is very important in building a nation. It must be a, the pillar, one of the pillars of the nation. And don't get me wrong, we have to understand when we say culture, see, we've been so deprived Common sense has been beat out. We've been deprived of logic or the right to use rationale and logic. Common sense has been brutally beaten out of us that when we say culture, we we think everything else. We think our religions is solely our culture. We think because I listen to a certain type of music, that's solely our culture, that I eat a certain type of food, that that's solely our culture. And like my comrade was saying when I was talking to him, here's the beauty of being a new African or an African here in America, an African here having this American experience, as I like to call it, is that we have the right to defy our culture. We have the right to say what our nation will look like. We must begin to believe in ourselves. And once you believe and that once you believe in yourself, it gives you the courage, it gives you the strength to stand up to not just the naysayers, but those outsiders who would tell you that is not what a nation is, that is not what a nation looks like, or you can't create a nation. The belief in self will give you that that fervor. It will give you that perseverance. It will give you that resistance to say that we, as self-determinists, have the right to defy what our nation looks like. How many of us have turned in my 
um, listeners from the People's Black Panther Party self-determination and every other Black Panther Party uh, from the new formation knows that this is in the manual what defy, develop, and defend. We have the right to define what our nation will look like despite those who tell us that this is not what a nation looks like. We say that our experience is a unique experience. There has never been experience like this on the planet Earth in the annals of human history. You will never find an experience that the African here in America has went through. Sure, slavery existed throughout time, but never to the degree or to the extent that has existed for the African here in America. So in that tragedy, in those hardships, we can find triumph. And it's hard. It's difficult, brothers and sisters. I know it is difficult. It's, 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 it's tremendous. But in it, we find in their crimes of kidnapping and murder and, and beating someone out of, their, out of their sense of origin, out of their original natural mind state and natural culture and in, in depriving a people of that and taking that from a people, a great tragedy occurred. But here's the triumph because it happened. It happened. Look, ain't no escaping it. We would love to. I know we would. I see us do it all the time. How do we try to escape it? How do we try to run from building a nation? How do we try to run from that responsibility and that obligation to our brothers and sisters and building a nation that will edify and build and feed us and clothe us and provide for us a better way, a future? How do we run from it? We run to religions. We out, out of the out of. We out Hebrew, the goddamn Hebrew. We are Christian to Christian or the European. We run from the responsibility and the obligation because of the tragedy, because of the trauma that occurred from that tragedy. It hurts. It hurts. It's a pain. It hurts to sit here and say, wake up in the morning and speak English to eat foods that I want to, to be totally alienated from who my people are. It hurts to constantly remember that day in and day out. But out of that tragedy comes triumph because that should inspire us and motivate us. That anger should fuel us, not cripple us and hinder us. We've seen it done. Haven't you seen it done? You see it done every day and all the time. You see it out of the Jewish community or the so-called Jewish community. Have you not? Have you not? They even got a catchphrase, never again. No, at least we forget or remember us, something like that. Why them old crackers are quick to show you a tattoo from Auschwitz. Look at my tattoo. This is my scar from Auschwitz. I've been through the same thing. How the hell are you going to tell me you've been through the same thing? And here I am, an African, over here speaking English and walking around or, you know, and, and a bastardized English and walking around doing something contrary to what a natural African man to do. Why, if you saw a dog chasing a mouse, saying meow, you would say something's wrong with that dog. That's a strange dog. The dog thinks he's a cat. What the hell is wrong with the dog? I say the same thing about the African here in America. What the hell is wrong with the African here in America? That they despise themselves so much that they don't want to relate to Africa or that they are so traumatized 
that they try to escape the American experience and don't want to take the responsibility of creating a nation. So in their escapism, they run back to some pre-colonized Africa trying to time warp. Negro ain't no time warp. It is what it is. It is what it is. You can't escape this shit. You got to face it, and then you got to fix it. I'm your brother, national chairman and your host, Yang and Kruma, People's Black Panther Party for Self-Determination, coming to you on this Tuesday. Blog Talk Radio. Let's go to our phone lines. What's good, Brian? What's good? What's good? Um, you asked, is it possible for us to build a nation here in America? No, it is mm-hmm. not. Unless. Why do you say um, because one, this is a corporation. We got to understand we're not fighting against a continent. We're not fighting against a country. We're fighting against a system. And unless niggas get up off their behinds and stop being fearful of delusional things that has been placed in front of us, to one, keep us separated, and two, to keep us enslaved, this is where we're going to end up. I understand what you're saying about Chinatown and um, I think you said New Jersey and New York and all of that stuff. Yeah, sound real good, but they still being oppressed and they're still being governed by the same system. So them having Chinatown inside of America is just like a black man being in the White House. He still got damn rules to follow. So with that being said, I don't see where, you know, we can benefit from that. Now, I look at the things that they're doing in Liberia. I used to be one of the people that actually felt like, we couldn't run all what we consider to be devils away, and we must substantiate devils are the deceivers, so that's anyone. Can't just reference the cracker. However, in Liberia, those Africans got tired, and not only have they, I'm not saying that I idolize certain things, but they got some crackers enslaved out there. They don't rash majority of the crackers up out their land. The only way that we can build anything here is one, tear down this illusion that America is in existence. That's just the system. Once we get through and go demolish the system, then the land is whatever we require it to be or whatever we decide to call it. We need to understand we are free people. We don't have to be free niggas. We are already free to make the right decisions. Every law that they have written, or every type of text or anything that they have put in front of us to say over and over again that they've given freedom or they have given us the rights to rebuild and all of this stuff, reconstruct, reparations, whatever word you term when you're looking for some type of currency from these people. They'll never give a nigger that one because they're scared of our strength. I ain't saying niggers because they got some sound balls they fuck with. That's why we're in the position we're in now. But they're not going to give no nigger, no real revolutionary bloodline, no type of outlet to build no nation anywhere because they already know what the outcome going to be. They're going to be the first ones that got to get the hell up out of here. So until we build our soldiers to stop being separated by each and everything that they gave us, stop following these laws, everything is contradicted. The Constitution is bullshit. Okay, if you look at the Constitution, there's a lot of states that didn't even vote the Constitution in because there's some crackers that don't want to be governed. So we got to pay attention to that. The Federal Reserve is bullshit. Why is niggas paying taxes when taxes are illegal? That's why you're arguing about Donald Trump not paying taxes, but he's actually just doing what the laws of the land require. 
we must start reading things and paying attention to how we can acquire all of the stuff that these crackers got. They're just utilizing techniques. But this is our land, and we know the resources. So naturally, if we tap back into being who we are, and that's revolutionaries, because Africa, Hebrew, none of this shit didn't exist. Even the word Ethiopia has been translated multiple times to the point where we can't even speak our own language anymore. So until we get out of all this rhetoric about who the hell we think we are and start focusing on the big thing that all of us niggas getting killed out here by the niggers and the crackers that are crossing us out, we will never be able to build a nation. We will always be multicultural. We got some people that want to worship trees. We got some people that don't want to do shit but worship light bulbs. Hell, we had one individual that didn't worship anything but a damn peanut. Did that make them any less revolutionary? They had their own revolution in their own way because this nigga figured out how to do so many different things with the damn peanuts and shit that none of us are not even a cracker has mastered. Yet he allowed a dentist to take his credit, a cracker dentist. We got to separate ourselves from all this bull crap, build ourselves inside of who we are, and get the strength to fight. I don't know where there's no revolution, this is how I'm going to close this, without bloodshed and also the sponging of communities. In order for us to be able to take over any territory that we have, we got to first run out the goddamn surface. And if we're not doing that, you're just going to keep getting bitten by the same fucking snake. So with that being said, sir, I really appreciate you allowing me to speak, but I think that everybody needs to set their differences aside. Separate from these sambos. We got some sambos out here. We cannot unite with everyone. It's impossible. You got some niggas out here that won't even see 14-year-old kids because their scripture leads them to believe that there's something different than being one of us when we out here dying in these streets. So with all due respect, I can't unite with pedophiles and shit like that. And it's time for a lot of things to come out so that we can separate ourselves from the things that we've been following for so long that has been put in place by a program that you call white supremacy in order to deteriorate our people. It's just a big picture that we missed in what they're using right now is these sambo-ass niggas because they know our strength overpowers their Caucasian strength. So they had to go get them some niggas to keep um, in tune with their niggas. So until we get rid of all of that shit, we will not be able to have a nation because we're still going to have some traitors that's in our villages like we do right now, fucking up the conscious community as well as the revolutionary vanguards of the community that's trying to make a difference. So that's just all I wanted to add with that. And, again, I don't want to take up much time, but those are just a few of my opinions on what I feel, you know, maybe we should, you know, some of us should look at as far as nation building. Well, I, I definitely appreciate that. But I'm going to tell you, let me address a couple of things. One, I'm going to tell you why I disagree, though, you know, why I think we can have it. And you're right. Let's go back to the Chinatown thing. Of course, they're not building a nation. They're building a colony. They have a nation. They have China. But they have enough sense to, and a culture strong enough to be able, where they work together, stick together, where they think alike, where they realize that they don't need outside influences nor do they want outside influences in their community. So they practice a cooperative economics to buy up their community, and the, their culture keeps them together socially. Um, and, and so I think that that's, that's that simple. Like you said, though, I mean, as revolutionaries, we know they ain't going to give us shit. They have a vested interest. We, if we're waiting for somebody to give us anything, that's been the problem. That's why I'm not a reformist. We're still waiting for something. We've tried it with Dr. King. God bless the dead. We've we've tried it. We've tried integrating. You know, hell, some of us tried assimilating. I mean, hard. 
and it doesn't work. They're not going to give us anything. They're, it's not about a consciousness. It's not about it. It's about their survival. What they get, what they understand, it is about their survival. It is about their continuation. That's what we don't get. That's what we don't fight for. We still think that it's this is some option to be African in America or to be conscious or to be with that is cool. It's the hip thing. It's the new fad. Checking out this brother on YouTube and these brothers debating and they kicking this back. It's cool. And I tell these niggas, it's about your survival. But something is being, and you're right, everybody's not going to be able to unite because, like you said, you're going to have people that still believe they did it in slavery. If, ever since Africans have been on the earth, you have had people who believe differently and who have collaborated with oppressors because they believe that there was no win in our liberation, there was no win in our separation, and that the oppressor or the dominant or the conquering people had the answers. Since since our meeting other ethnicities, we've had that type of thing. But it's something, it starts out something as simple as just what we always talk about, the conscious community. Well, let's be conscious. Consciousness means awareness. Let's be aware of our spending. Something that simple. How many of it, let me tell you something. A Jew, and I'm always using Jewish people because, you know, we, we, that's the easiest reference, and I think that everybody knows a little bit about the so-called Jewish history. Do you think that any Jew would spend $1 with someone that supported Hitler during World War II or the Nazi Party? And what, if they found out a corporation supported Nazi Germany, they would boycott. No, no, no. In fact, they still looking for people for war crimes. You see what I'm saying? We're not conscious of that. We will go by rims. We'll spend money with people. And these same companies and corporations that we spend money with support atrocities in Africa. Do we give a damn? Hell no. Nah. You got them rims, y'all. Man, you know they support the atrocities in the Congo. The who? Nigga, I ain't got nothing to do with that. Nigga, I got these rims. 22, them W-dub-dubs. We don't, we're not aware. We're not, we just, all. it, it starts with just being conscious. Having a conscious. Having a connectedness to not just the African in America, but throughout the diaspora. Just like, yo, I'm not going to spend money with anybody that's killing my peoples. That simple. I'm not going to support any politician. I'm going to do my homework. See, we have to get out of being lazy. I'm going to do my homework if this politician supports those laws that are specifically and intentionally targeting African people for the prison industrial complex or supports corrupt or supports these police who have been indiscriminately with no just cause murdering black people, you're not going to get my dollar. That's simple. And that's where it starts. But we don't think like that. We want immediate gratification. We're spending, instead of struggling a little bit, not even struggling, doing without and not even really doing without, just not being so-called in the hip crowd. You might not can get those sneakers. Do those sneakers have child labor or they exploiting people in third world countries? Are little 10-year-olds working 60 hours a week for $5? This is revolutionary organizations. Maybe we have to do the research and put it out there to the people. And it gets, I know it gets tiring because it's like the people don't want to hear it. But we have to do it. 
You know, we have to, I'm sorry, I'm getting my, we have to do it. It's that type of thing. Listen, let's go to our phone lines. Area code 762-6675. Your mic is open. Black Power, my brother. Black Power, brother. What's going on, man? This is Brother Robert calling behind oh, me live, oh, man. Absolutely, Brother Robert, man. How's, how's, how's the body, man? How's, how's the self, man? Every, everything is great, man. You know, strengthening myself mentally and physically, man. Yes, but, sir. Uh, yes, you sir. Know, um, you know, I ain't catch that sister's name, man, but, you know, I just wanted to send a salute to her, man, you know, because she put out a lot of good points, man. And, mm. uh, you know, um, you know, I wanted to say this as well, man, that, you know, them folks spend billions on brainwashing us, you know what I'm saying, and see what they use, you know, they use the things that we know that we going to be interested in with entertainment and, and material, you know what I'm saying, mm. and you know, we, we 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 don't see it because, you know, we like, oh, yeah, this is good music. Oh, yeah, this is good TV program. And, you know, but they study paying these people billions to brainwash ourselves, you know, for us to do it. They're not going to do it because what they do, we ain't interested in that shit. You know what I'm saying? They can't dance. They have no rhythm. They have no lyrics. they pretty much corny. So, you know, they, they, they let us do it. So they give us so much money to make sure that we keep each other on grounded level, and we just see it as entertainment that we don't understand that that's a diabolical plan to get us to keep us oppressed, to keep us, they use us to keep us down, man, from brainwashing. They don't want us to get knowledge. They don't want us to gain education. They feel we're going to drop out of school, you know. So what they do is, look, man, if you can talk about killing each other and, and, and robbing each other, I'd give you a billion-dollar contract, you know. So if we can just, just open our eyes and pay attention because they put it right in front of us, you know what I'm saying? But like I said, they knew what to use. So it keeps us blind. It keeps us saying, man, I like that track. We like that track. It keeps us saying, look, man, at 8 o'clock, I got to be home to catch the TV program. And the TV program on the show us betraying each other, us yeah. on each other, us lying on each other, us fighting each other, man. So we just got to wake up, man, and, and, and recognize what's going on around us, man. And if we can't see that, then we can't change nothing. And, you know, I, I, I feel we can unite, man, because we did it before. You know, we just, we, 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 we branched out somewhere, you know, and, and once we branched out, you know, that's when the brainwashing really kicked in so they could keep us apart, man. But, you know, it'll, it it's just going to take some work, man, you know, and it, it it can be done. I just know it can be done, man. You know, I, I, I can't give up on to believe that we can do what needs to be done. We can unite, man. We can stand as one. Absolutely. Like, um, one of the chairmen was saying, you know, and and, and, and uh, Chairman Hakeem as well, he was putting something in me that I didn't really realize that we can build our own gated community. You feel me? We can build our yeah. own hoods. We can have our own swords. We can't have our own schools. We can't have, we got some of the best teachers there is. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. You know, so all the stuff that they can do, we can do. We just got to do it. We just got to want to do it. And once we put forth the effort, man, we can accomplish it, man. And I, yo, yo, this fools you, but there's two 
man, just me more to make me want to go out there and fight right next to you, man, just so we can get a lot done, man. I just want right to on. Well, you know, well, be, bro. You know, man, I, I appreciate power. it, brother. Both power. You know, waiting for you to come home. I'm ready to lock that Augusta thing down, brother. So it's just a matter of you coming home and we waiting. You definitely got a spot for you. So that's on the that's right. That's and, right. And, and I appreciate it, my brother. Oh man, come on, man. No problem. And you're absolutely right, brother. Um, there's nothing we can't do. You know, one of the things we have to recognize is that the attack has changed on us. And one of the attacks, you know, what, what racism was very, at one point in time, was very, uh, was right in your face, which it is now to a degree, was right in your face and all that good stuff. Now, a lot of what they're doing is allowing us to suppress us. Yeah, there, but, man, I can't work on this. I can't do this. A lot of it is what we do to work on ourselves. And and we do that, and, and so we do that by them appealing to a base desire. We just want what we want now, and we want it how we want it. We don't feel like we have, they have Im- embedded in us this individualism. So, you know, what? me and my brother was talking one day, and we were talking about that. We were talking about, and he was telling me how, you know, one of his sons is doing some dynamic stuff. And he was like, listen, remember, you're the only African doing this. You're the only black doing this that you're repping. And it reminded me of what my grandmother used to tell me that. Yo, remember that you got the, the race on your shoulders. You repping. We no longer rep. We no longer feel responsible for one another or our race, or the advancement of our race. We don't see the importance of the need. When I say we, I'm speaking generally. I know none of you brothers and sisters on the line. I'm sure everyone is conscious and revolutionary black nationalist and Africanist type. But when I say we, I'm speaking generally, we don't feel that need to be responsible for one another, to be my brother or my sister's keeper. So it's all about what gratifies me, what I enjoy doing, how I feel about it, what I'm going to partake in. And these are one of the things that hinder us from, um, from doing what we have to do. Let's go to our phone lines. We got our Minister of Justice on the line. Minister Justice. Yes, sir. Black Power. Uh, Black, Black Power. Family and Black Power to all oppressed people. I wanted to just, uh, you know, kind of piggyback off some some of the things that I heard. I do believe that we can we can acquire a nation. I do believe that it is possible. Uh, what I the brother was talking about keeping your eyes open. I'm watching. Uh, I grew up in Queens. I, I said that a million times, and I went to school in Brooklyn in the Williamsburg section, and that's where you have those Hasidic Jews, the ones that wear all the black. Uh, whenever I see these individuals, you watch them creeping around in black neighborhoods in the hood. And I happen to be going into one of our stores. Um, it's a black-owned store where you buy um, herbs and things of that nature. And right outside is this, this Hasidic Jew standing there talking on the phone. And I'm like, is anybody asking him why is he here? You know, what is he standing there for? What does he want? Nobody's asking. But now I'm watching some other young women bringing these things out of uh, what looks like a storefront church. So I said, oh, is that, is, that, is that for sale? And she said, oh, we already sold it to him. How could it just fell on the floor? 
you know, because what they're actually doing <clears throat> is going through neighborhoods and they creep throughout. They look like they're creeping. They don't look at none of us. They don't speak to none of us, but nobody will ask them what they want. You know, what are you doing here? But if you're in their neighborhood, they are certainly going to approach you two or three at a time. What are you doing here and what do you want? So it's a matter of keeping your eyes open, watching what's going on, because, you know, the, the obstructions that are against us is gentrification. That's one of, one of the things. And, you know, um, like uh, Sister uh, Kim was saying, uh, we got the black folks in place, you know, but the mayor is not selling any of the property to any of the people who live in Newark. He's selling it to developers. And those developers happen to be not of our color. You know, what is the problem why we can't buy anything? Those, <coughs> excuse me, those are the problems, you know, the obstruction to be able to spend all of this money on a, on a movie. But, and I can bet you one thing, they got all the names of the people who went to see that movie so they can now advertise more stuff to them. But if you stood there and tried to get the names of all the people that went to see these movies, that movie Panther, you would have, have a problem. You'd be asked to move along, get out of here, this, that. But by the same token, there are many obstructions that come up against us regarding us having a nation, uh, the Nuwabian nation. Uh, you see they did to uh, Malachi York, uh, the Move 9. Need I mention the Move 9? And, you know, any time we ever tried to uh, write out, do something as far as getting our own little uh, community, as soon as we did that, the next thing you know, we get bombed. But it can happen. I believe it can happen. I believe that if we slip and slide around the way you see these Hasidic Jews moving, I believe we'll definitely be able to make it happen right underneath their noses. Black Power, and I love y'all all. Good topic, Sam. Black Power. Black Power. Black Power, thank you. And I'm coming to my phone lines. But, I, I, you know, I want to address that, and I agree with you. And one of the problems is, like you talked about uh, Malachi York, we can talk about the nation as long as we can talk about the various things that uh, the various things. And I got you, Carla. I'm you, you, you next on my list, dear brother, because you, yeah. Um, we talk about the various. We talk about the various. You know, the various people in the various nations. One of the things that keep us divided is our sense of supremacy, that arrogance. Because someone doesn't believe as we believe, we will say, oh, they fools. They being brainwashed. Listen, there's a lot of fakes out there I don't believe. I don't necessarily subscribe to the comedic sciences. I'm not an atheist. I'm not a Hebrew Israelite. I'm not a Christian. I don't necessarily believe as these people believe, but I believe that black people can unify. And I don't believe, you know, I can't say What's keeping us divided is Christianity, and then turn around and be the, the force of division. How am I going to say what keeps us divided is Christianity, and then go attack Christians? Well, shit, I'm, I'm the I'm the division at this point. Instead of concentrating on those things we have in common, hey, black man, uh, Jesus loves you, yeah, brother, Jesus loves you too. Uh, do they murder you when you get stopped by the police? Yeah. Are you discriminated against? Yeah. Can you get along, black man? No. Are you this? Are you that? Black man, black woman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, listen, Jesus can love us all we want. We can allow who act We can Yahweh, Ben Yahweh, and all. We can say all of that good shit. At the end of the day, we face the same dilemma. So we have to stop attacking people. Now, we, I'm not going to tell what we have to do. That's another surprise. I ain't going to tell us what we have to do. But I would recommend 
as African people and find the things amongst these various faiths and political ideologies that unify us as a people, a front. What all do we have in common? A common enemy with a common goal, and that is the annihilation, eradication of African people in America, socially, physically, culturally, economically, and politically. That's the common thing. So your faith, I'm not going to sit here and debate with you about your faith and what's keeping you fooled, because you're going to turn around and say, well, that's keeping you fooled. You don't believe in God, nigga? You a fool. Oh, you believe in Jesus? You a fool. Oh, you believe in Allah? This man, we'll be back and forth about that all day. How arrogant of us to say what's keeping somebody fooled, man? Come on, let me go to my phone lines because that's a whole nother show. That is a whole nother, you know. And and, and those that know me know that, and know the people of Black Panther Party. We believe in liberation theology. If you see the revolution, the African revolution in your theology and your religion, yo. If Jesus was a black revolutionary that was about the upliftment, the empowerment, the advancement of African people, then Jesus loves you. You know, that's all I can tell you. Let's go to our phone lines, and I'm going to get to everybody. Area code 347-1566. Your mic is open. Hey, Black Power, this is Brother Shaka and Kasa Shakur. Salam alaikum. Wa alaikum salam, Black Power, Brother Shakur. Hey, Brother, the topic is right on hand, man. I just want to jump in real quick not take up too much time but first of all let's let's please do one thing if we're talking about a culture of resistance we can't start that talk with what we cannot do we have to start that talk saying that we've already done it you know first of all we talk about becoming a nation we are already a nation we were forced into nationhood the minute they threw you on the ship you know, prior to that, we were individual ethnicities. We had the comfortability or the ability to say, I'm not a Mandy. I'm not a Mandinka. I'm not a this. I'm not a that. But once you were put on that boat and clumped here together, we were forced into a situation of nationhood. So it's not becoming a nation. It's recognizing that we're already in nationhood and activating upon it. You know, a lot of us on this phone, if we keep it real, when we were out there doing the negative thing, we had no can'ts. We had no reason why we cannot do it. We found a way to get it done. So it's the same thing now, man. There's there's such thing as you can talk yourself out of a game plan. You know, uh, Dr. Jeffrey calls it the paralyzation of analysis or analysis paralysis. You get so deep into what you can't do and breaking it down that you talk yourself right out of it. I'm down here in the woods in Georgia. And every night I sit in the woods, I go out in the woods, and I just think to myself, standing in the dark, do you think that that African that decided to run said, I can't, or I don't know how, or they just said, look, anywhere, anywhere is better than right here. And that's all we have to do, family. I'm saying it with the passion, not to tell people you got to do it, I feel you. Some people don't want to do it. Some people have been beat down. They have been discouraged. They have lost the faith. You know, part of this is you got to have faith. You got to have faith in that which you cannot see, but you know it's obtainable. Everybody did not want to leave the plantation. And when we say leave the plantation, no, I might not repatriate to Africa, but I am Africa. So wherever I am is Africa. So if I live in a complex with 18 apartments, I live in an African complex. Why not? So how can we control this complex? You're in a gated community. Do you know your neighbors? Have you knocked on doors to build a relationship between neighbors right where you are? 
to begin organizing right where you are, or do you sit back and let the management tell you what to do? Let the management control your flow, and all you do is pay your rent. See, nationhood is a mind state. It's not an action. It's a mind state. You have to first have the mind state of nationhood, and then you will eventually get it. And it's not going to be easy. It's not going to be without a fight. No, you think they're going to give up 400-plus years of domination and robbing and stealing and profiting? No way. It's going to take a fight. But before we can get to the physical fight, you first have to be the one to be free. And I just want to end by saying liberation comes the minute you realize you're oppressed. You already, once you say, I'm in an oppressed situation, you're no longer oppressed. Now what happens is you got to do something with this newfound information. Black power. Wow, black power. And if you want to chime back in, you know, hit hit one again, and we'll get you back in. Man, absolutely. I agree with that. I, I like the, the part what you're saying, you know, and I never thought about it. Africa is in us. Wherever we are, Africa is. And it starts right there, and the nation started right there. When they separated us from our respective cultures and our respective nations that we belong to, we became a nation. And I, I agree with that, and that's what I've been saying. It is all a mind state. It begins in the mind. It just takes an awareness. It takes an awareness and the willingness to do it. It's that simple. I mean, it's it's nothing difficult. You, We have to be careful and be mindful of people who make it be difficult. Listen, there's a good book I read. It's called The 48 Laws of Power. I'm sure a lot of you are familiar with that. What is it, Robert Greene, I believe? But in one of the chapters, he talks about how to make a cult. He says, in building a cult, you must give them goals that are unattainable. Make them sound attainable. Make them sound lofty and noble, but make them unattainable. Our ultimate goal in this cult is to recolonize the moon. We will live on the moon. Give them some shit that's unattainable. They're not going to see it in their lifetime or any realistic type of thing, but sell it. So we must be mindful of these so-called revolutionaries that are putting out here goals and aspirations that are not practical, that are not applicable, and damn sure, in 20 generations, not attainable. It is simple. It's not easy. There's a difference. The solution is simple, but no one said it was going to be easy. And I think that we have to be able to know the difference, to distinguish the two. The solution is simple. Begin to think African. And a man, so a man thinks, as a man thinks, so is he. Once you and I begin to think African, our actions will reflect that thinking. The fruit we bear will reflect the seed that we planted within ourselves. Of course, it's not going to be easy. We're going to have not just naysayers from amongst our own country, but we're going to have external forces that physically, mentally, emotionally, religious, spiritually, try to hinder that progress. We know the record. We've seen it. History bears witness to it. But one of the things that we should get from our predecessors who ran across these obstacles, who encountered these hindrances and these so-called blockages that they never stopped, nor did they never give up, nor did they ever stop believing. Like our dear brother Shaka Shakur said, 
It begins with faith. We have to have faith. Faith that whether you believe in a creator or not, you just believe in nature, that naturally, naturally, all things have the right to determine their destiny without the intentional, willful, or deliberate hindrance from outside forces. This is what we're telling the crowd. We ain't asking them to give us nothing. They say, brother, you ain't going to, what do you want? That white man ain't going to give you nothing. I know it. I don't expect him to give me a damn thing. His livelihood, his survival is built into his white supremacist social, political, cultural, and economic system. He's not going to change that for little old black me. No, no, sir. But what I am telling him, this is what I'm telling him. We'll stop. We want, we demand, and we will have an end to the intentional, deliberate, willful hindrance, obstruction of the natural evolutionary process of the African man here in America. That's what will happen. And it's only right. I say, doesn't your forefathers say, doesn't it say, I believe in your declaration of independence, or is it your Bill of Rights, one of them, doesn't that white boy, Thomas Jefferson, say? That all human beings are endowed with certain inalienable rights, and that is life by under God, and that is life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. How can you teach this and have holidays celebrating this and commemorate the patriotic fervor uh, of a nation and turn around and deny people the very right of that? It's a hypocrisy at its finest. It's hypocrisy at its finest. So we must understand this, which you understood when you said no taxation without representation. We don't want to be oppressed. So you must understand one basic principle, a scientific principle, that every action has an equal and opposite reaction, and that in so the action of oppression, the reaction of oppression, or the um, opposite of that is resistance. So oppression reads resistance. Let's go to our phone lines. Eric, four for Sister Kim. Your mic is open. Okay, uh, let me get my notes. I want to roll back a little bit. Um, let me specify what I mean first of all. I know you said something about China already has a nation and certain people have nations. Bullshit. If we look at the continents and the nations and all the things that's happening around us, the continent invaded every single so-called nation or continent that we can even think about that was founded. I don't care if it were and the Jews. Let's get the Jews involved, too, because we can't leave these people out. The Jews and the crackers have teamed up what we are blindfolded with, with all of our people in different denominations that are traitors and has invaded nations. Why the hell you think the China people over here? If their nations were so, you know, so substantiated and built, and if it was so great over there that China had a nation, then why the hell they got Chinatown in America? What we got to understand is our land, our soil, our labor is one of the most, these are the most important things that these people are after. I hear what people are saying about we can build a nation and your nation is in us, but what, what type of nation is involved in us? We got to understand that even though we were in different areas, we were all one people. We were all different people. We had, you know, different denominations of how we think. 
So it's going to be impossible for all of us to be one nation. I think we need to get out of that. It's going to be people everywhere building their own little circles, you know, building their own little areas according to what they believe in. What we got to understand is we need some fight in us. I think that everybody comes up with these excuses because the biggest thing is fear. All of the other nations, as we're referencing, and we idolize all these things, like you said, Chinamen, the Migos, and all of that. But if you ask yourself, we was in contract with all of these people first. They gave the niggas all the bricks. We had all the dope. We had all the money. And I'm not saying it like we are our own worst enemy. I'm just saying how is it possible that people can say we can't communicate with other nations. We have done this before. The biggest fear that the government don't want us to do is to be able to strategically come up with a plan for us to trade and do the things we need to do amongst other nations because it will cut their ass all the way up out of here. So if we want to talk about destroying the system, the first thing we need to do is learn how to rebuild those structures instead of doing the same damn thing that they teach the Guala Guala and the Chinamen and all the people that they bring over here in our area to hate us according not only to our skin, but the bullshit that they put out into their media, the same thing that they do when they teach us that they're insurgents. Those are our people out there. How can we worry about strategically building another nation when we got Africa? We got people that, like you said, from China. You just stated that 99, I mean, I think you stated back before one of your shows, we got 99% of oppressed people. We got 314, um, which is the 1% that runs the um, government. Why is it that we got 314 people as opposed to, I mean, 314 individuals, million out of all the about billions of people, and we let 314 million people capitalize off of writing bullshit laws. The quickest thing to stop doing is adhering to the laws. Without the laws, do they have a government? Because then they wouldn't be able to govern your mind. This shit bigger than what we're looking at right now. People talking about building a nation, but you can't build a nation when you're in the same situation on the same soil with the same individuals that can reconstruct laws, reconstruct the land, reconstruct everything that they're doing around us, like the brother said, once we do build. They ain't going to do nothing but run through a shit. Black Panthers built a nation. We had grief, guns, we had security, and we would whoop some ass. The Malcolm X built the nation. Shit, they were kind of building a nation. But the only nations that they allow to substantiate themselves and stand firm over here is the motherfuckers that's crossing us out. So until we get rid of all of that crap, what is a nation? What do we have? And if you ain't got no resources, and I'm not talking about everybody's worried about currency. Niggas need to get the hell up. I like what Brother Shaka said. He's sitting in the damn woods. I agree with that. Because how many niggas know what worms to eat? What, you know, what ants what to um, eat? How do we know how to survive? Like, you talking about the key thing is survival and shit, everything you survive on comes from the crackers. One more thing I wanted to state. You saying foreigners don't spend money with other people. Bullshit. I see more foreigners in Walmart. I see foreigners on the side of the street buying damn cell phones from niggas, dope from niggas, anything they can do to capitalize and get their currency over there where they can take three or five dollars back as opposed to us short nine sales on one. So I used to think that they wouldn't shop with us, but yes, they would, because our mentality is, like you said, to get the microwave dollar. So if we'll take an iPhone 8, and we, they know it's worth $1,500. They're going to sell it overseas for 4000 We only sold it for 200 I think we're making the big mistakes in slave anomalies. We're playing our damn sales, all of the labor, everything that comes from us, even the damn hustle comes from the niggas. So if the nigga ain't got nothing, the nigga need to come up and figure out what they're doing. We spent $7.8 billion just between 4th of July and New Year's Eve. 
How you going to tell me a nigga ain't got no money? It's about who's strategically coming up with the plan on how to intercept this shit from going back to the cracker and the Federal Reserve and dealing with our people that's overseas. And that's all I just wanted to speak on. And thank you very much. You're welcome. Uh, but I still disagree. I disagree with you. I, You know, I, I think that we can have, I know we can have a nation. That beyond a, a shot of a doubt. And you talk about the Chinese don't have no nation shit. I don't know what you're talking about. I, shit, where? It's called China. It's a nation. So what some white folks invaded? White folks invaded everywhere. People have been invaded. Nations have been invaded since mankind has started writing down history. That doesn't mean anything. We have to look at what surprised the nation. And to say that they won't let us have a nation over here, why do we keep saying what they won't let us have? If we revolutionaries, when you when as a revolutionary, ask anybody to let them have something. They're not going to let you have it. We know that. We have political prisoners and prisoners of war that show us they're not going to let us have it. But if we have that defeatist attitude, we will never work to get it. Nation starts, like Brother Shaka Shakur said, like I have been saying, it starts in the mind. It starts with accountability and responsibility to your brother or sister. That's where it starts with. The only reason you say, yeah, they're going to shop at Walmart because they ain't bought one yet. They probably, though, nine times out of ten, they probably, their people probably own stock in Walmart. If they're buying outside of their so-called ethnicity, it's because at that particular time, their people don't produce it. And that's that's understandable. If you don't produce it and you got to have it, you get it. But the African, like you said, all of the surplus money we spend out of money because we don't produce. If we do have a business, it's retail. We still get it from other people. It's still manufactured produced, shipped to us by other people. So we get some retail. So we got a store to sell Jordans. Okay. I'm not, I'm, I'm not going to knock that effort. It's a, it's a step in the right direction, but shit, it's not there. Nationhood can be achieved and had by accountability. We all live in certain areas anyway. Why don't we control? It's like what Brother Malcolm said black nationalism is. To paraphrase, to sum it up, he said black nationalism is wherever you find us in the majority, wherever you find us in the numbers, we control the politics, the economics, the social, cultural, the education of that community. To say what we can't do, when we say we can't have a nation, are they not going to let us have a nation? Then what do you suggest we do as African people? What do you suggest? Because if they're not, if we can't and they're not, you're walking away from this, um, not being totally involved in any of this, still not going to get anything accomplished. Like you said, if we build something, they're going to run through it. If that's your attitude, then where are you going to go and what are you going to do? What? It's a defeatist attitude. You've succeeded the revolution. You've given in. You've already said that we can't win it. And I refuse to say that it can't be won. It can be won because it's about revolution. It's not about just some political philosophy. 
It's not about just bloodshed. It's not just about exchanging blows with other people. Revolution is a very act of nature to realign what has been unaligned, to bring, make natural what has been made unnatural. Revolu- we see revolution in nature all the time. When things are out of whack, the earth performs revolutions. When they sap all the resources out of the earth, the earth may have an earthquake or the um the ice caps, the polar ice caps may start. No, these are revolutions to right a wrong. Revolution is the righting of a wrong. It's nothing fancy or special about it. What is special about it are the people who perform it, the people whose very nature in them won't, won't allow them to live with injustices, won't allow them to live with oppression, despite the odds, it is about righting a wrong. What has happened to the African people here in America and what continues to happen to the African people here in America is wrong. Is wrong. And if revolution, which is about the complete constructive and social change, if revolution is not in our bones and we feel it deep down inside, then we're dead people. We're not living. We're not a natural people. And we must begin to be, return to being a natural people. And this is what revolution is. So revolution can be had. Revolution can be had. Revolution can be won. Social change can come about if we believe as our dear brother said, have the faith. And as I say, be conscious, be aware of what we do. It's simple. It really is simple. And if not in our lifetime, we have to learn there's a writing from our comrade, our predecessor, our leader, Sadara Kola, who talks about the Black Panther Party, what we call the third development in the People's Black Panther Party for self-determination, but also affectionately and more commonly known as the original Panther Party, he talks about their highs and some of their lows. And one of the lows, he said, is that they romanticized revolution. They thought the revolution would be overnight, not fully grasping the concept that revolution is a process, not an event. And when we grasp that revolution is a process, we begin to take the necessary steps to begin that process. We begin to understand that once I become conscious and become aware and become accountable and responsible for my spending, my speech, and my actions towards my fellow Africans here nationally and internationally, Africans throughout the diaspora, that it may take time. Like I said, it's hard to teach an old dog new tricks, so it may take time on me, but my children. See, we are selfish people. We want it all. We want it now. We want it right now. What about our children's children, children? This is why we're talking about the culture of resistance. A culture of resistance must begin to be taught. A culture of resistance must begin to be propagated so that our children will raise up with a sense of self-worth, with a sense of justice with a sense of wanting to take an action against an injustice because as I said before revolution is about righting a wrong let's go to our phone lines area code 216-5363 your mic is open Assalamualaikum Black Power Waalaikum Black Power 
Uh, yeah. Uh, one thing I just want to share uh, and make it clear to listen audience, there was two powerful brothers, and there was others and sisters, but two powerful brothers, Robert Williams, who organized a Justice for Defense, and they called themselves the Justice for Defense, and protected the civil rights workers. And there was another brother uh, that was called Hugh P. Newton that organized the Panthers for Self-Defense. And when they took shelter, you know where they went? China. China. Come on now. And I talked with Brother Rob when he came back from China. And when we talk about nation building, we talk about destroying imperialism. See, everybody look at nation building as a local building. No, it's a national building. Uh, when we had the, uh, the cell phone, everything, and the radios that came out of China, building China. When you look at your suit, and I tell everybody right now, go in the closet and look at that little piece of cloth that is up around the neck. It says made in China. Uh, Don Trunk and all that know it's made in China. So when we talk about revolution, we have alliance, and we have to understand Cuba is an alliance. Our motherland is an alliance. Brazil is alliance. China is alliance because all of them have been colonized and the resources have been stolen and they've been oppressed, but they organized a political party. But anybody tell me right now, Robert Williams and his wife laid comfortable in China when they couldn't lay comfortable in Alabama and Mississippi. Hewitt Newton lay comfortable in China when he came back. He called himself the Supreme Commander of the Black Panther Party. He laid comfortable. So you got these nations. We got to be careful. We have alliance all over the planet because imperialism is an octopus. It ain't only got its arms in our community, but it got its arms around the world and drain the world. And the brothers and sisters who understand working and support with us. Now, I want to say this. What was the resources that China had that the European wanted so much? Gunpowder. The Chinese used to celebrate. The Europeans say, now, man, we don't explode. We take this gunpowder for celebration, and we make it a war destruction. Every nation he colonized, he colonized not just because of color. He colonized because of our resources. That's right. Every, every nation had resources that the Europeans used and turn it back on us. The same celebration we had is now the same celebration that he destroying people. So what I just want brothers and sisters to know, the nation is looking at you and our movement, and I want comrades to know that we are not by ourselves. See, that's when we get isolated. We think it's an in-house fight. No, you fighting an imperialist devil. You ain't fighting no local 
devil. You fight a period of the devil that had his venom all over the country. And every time we fight him, we got support from third world countries. And that's why Hugh Newton and other comrades came up. We said all power to the people, all power to the righteous people. We came up with black power because we were dealing with an internal struggle. But it mean all power to the people simply meaning all power to the righteous people because what America had done and had become to oppress peoples all over the planet and they united and they looking at us to take the lead because the octopus might have many technicals that is out there but his head in America and so we got to bust that head Black right on right foul and that's and that's you know and that's some facts that we that that's what that's some facts that we're dealing with and that's why it's important, you know, when we go back to nationhood and the African here in America, beginning to to understand. I like what Shaka said. I'm going to change my whole philosophy on I like what Shaka was talking about, that we are a nation. We don't have to build a nation. We just have to come to the understanding that we are a nation due to the uh, circumstances, you know, the tragedy that had befallen us as a people and the oppression that we're under right now. But understand that you know, begin to behave in the manner as a nation so that we can take our place on the international scale. It's like what Chairman Carl was saying, you know, the world is looking to us and looking, and there's a lot of internationalists or revolutionary, international revolutionaries who would say that the African here in America, the black man, woman, and uh, the black man and woman here in America are the vanguard of the revolutionary, of the international revolution. So we have to begin I, I'm not going to say what well, we have to do. You know what? Because I don't like that. Everybody tell me what I got to damn do. You, what we black men have to do. What I suggest that we do is like what I said before. Begin to be accountable and responsible. Begin to think. Let's, let's, let's do some, you know what? Let's be revolutionary in our thought. Let's start there. Let's change our thoughts. Let's see what happens if we begin to think as a nation. If I begin to think that I am responsible and accountable for my people and that I have, I begin to infuse in myself a sense of duty to my brother and sister over here. Let's see what type of effect that would begin to have. And let's be realistic. You know, a lot of us think that we do something for a week or two weeks that we should see some immediate change. You know, we get in, we're in these little parties and we feed some people uh, for a month straight, 30 days straight, and think that we've tackled the issue of um, uh, uh, hunger. We put people up in a shelter or something and we think we've tackled or we've solved the issue of homelessness and poverty. These are just band aids to a symptom, but to really begin to address the cause or affect the change with the cause, we have to change our thinking. And in changing our thinking, the band-aids we use to heal the symptoms from this system will begin to turn to full-fledged programs that address the illness itself. You see, this is, when we don't think like, this is one of the things, and like the sister was saying, we've had these so-called people 
claiming nation before, but because you call it a nation doesn't make it a nation. Like you heard me say on the last show, what I did, Brother Malcolm said, because you put kittens in the oven, don't make it a biscuit. You can call it a nation, but is it comprised of, does it, is it, does it constitute what a nation should be comprised of or constitute? Okay, what you call it. So when we talk about building this nation, I like the last thing that Sister Kim did say. She said, what is a nation? What makes up a nation? How can we begin to uh, do things that contribute to nation building up, since we are a nation, building up, strengthening the nation that we already belong to? And it's as simple as, and I will go back and I will constantly state, constantly reiterate, I will constantly stand by the fact that it is as simple as changing your thinking. Because now the harm inflicted upon us is a lot more psychological. There's still some physical elements. Because you're always going to, you know, oppression always breeds resistance. So you're always going to have those elements in society that resist. So they're going to have to resort to some physical tactics, the killing of our young men. Yeah, they say, oh, well, he was gangster. They was living like this. Man, a gangster is just a revolutionary that is unpoliticized. You know, it's someone that a gangster is an outlaw. What did George Jackson tell us? He said every revolutionary must come with terms of being an outlaw. Every revolutionary must come with the terms of being an outlaw. Because the revolutionary is an outlaw. The revolutionary is saying that your laws and your systems are counterproductive, are counter-progressive, um, are counter-evolutionary. Or, you know, it, 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 it start, your laws and systems are designed to retard us in our development and growth and empowerment. So every revolutionary for justice, for social order, for better conditions for African people here in America, first and foremost, in my case, in my instance, and in the world, the oppressed world, secondary. Yeah, you heard me. I'm a black nationalist. I don't believe I can go fight for everybody in the damn world before I begin to fight for my people or people whom to which I belong. It doesn't make sense to me. That's like me being in your house stopping the burglar, fighting the burglar from breaking in your house while his crew got a van loading up their van with my shit. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? We better come together and fight them both at the same time, or I got to go fight this beast in my home first. And once I secure that, we can start addressing some other things. So the revolutionary the black nationalist revolutionary, the black na the universal African nationalist revolutionary who begin who believes in this change, who believes in the natural order of things, must start with changing their thinking. They must have to be realistic. But one of our biggest problems is we don't want to be realistic. We don't want to be realistic. We make excuses. We make excuses for our sicknesses for our perversions, for our illnesses and our deviancies. Not saying that we won't have them. They exist. We're human beings. And especially when 
your lower desires, your base desires are being targeted. Yeah, it's difficult. It's extremely difficult. But we won't be real. We overindulge. We do all the stuff and make a goddamn excuse for why we're doing it and wonder why we can't accomplish anything. It starts with self. The revolution starts with self. The revolution has a revolutionary type. And we must begin to cultivate and develop that revolutionary type within ourselves so that we can manifest a revolution. The nation should develop a type, not a particular religion. You have nations that have various religions. Look at the nations throughout the world. They have various religions. Do you think every Arab that comes over here is a Muslim? Man, you you didn't bought into that? Really? You think that every Chinese comes over here is a communist or a uh, 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 what is they what do they practice? Buddhism? Oh, you're about the hype. There are various theologies, various philosophies, various ideologies within their nations. But one thing they do agree on is that they're Chinese, and we must, despite our differences, our differences must be based in and grounded in what's in the best interest of Chinese people, what's in the best interest of our people, and us as Africans, with all our multifacetedness, with all our various uh, cultural understandings and religions, they still must be what is in the best interest of African people here in America. That's simple. Ain't nothing to be divided about. We want to talk about the Christians, but the churches are feeding people. We want to talk about the Muslims and Islam, but the Muslims are defending people. We want to talk about the Hebrew Israelites, but they're building homes and doing things for people. But it's easier to point the finger, pass the buck, talk about who ain't doing what, what they believe, this and that. It's easier adding to the divisiveness, adding to the division of nationhood. Because this is what our master wants, and we want to please the master, whether it's subconscious or not. Oh, yes, you do. We please the master. So we don't want to be real with ourselves. My mouth is closer to my ear. She probably indulged in one or two things that are not in the best interest. And me as an African person, nor does it help to contribute to what we're trying to build. But I have to be realistic. All you brothers and sisters being realistic about your habits, about your thinking, about your speech, about your diet, about everything that hinders and hurts you. I'm not saying you got to be a vegan. I'm not saying don't, you know, enjoy life. But in moderation. And if that thing isn't beneficial, then cut it. This is what nationhood is about. It's about the sacrifices. Those that want to build a nation, when you study history, I love history. It's one of my favorite things to just I read that in my leisure. And when you study history, one of the things you will know about any patriotic movement, any people that have contributing to developing a nation, is the sacrifices that they have made and that they were willing to make. 
there were always sacrifices that they had made and that they were willing to make. And this is what we have to be willing to do. I'm coming in my last 20 minutes. I see I got callers jumping back in. I'm going to go back through the queue. I'm going to give everybody like two or three minutes. Let's start with him because he was the first in. Chairman Carr, your mic is open. Yeah, yeah. Uh, one is that uh, you're correct. It's one thing that we ain't even got to look further than uh, Africa. We look at the Native Americans. They was in tribes. They had different cultures, different ways. But they united and defeated Custer. And they defeated Custer, General Custer, and they established a nation. They realized that the tribe and the culture was not enough because the cavalry and the military and the uh, missionaries were moving in on them. And when they united, Custer had his last stand. But if they were united, Earlier, Custer would not have a last stand. He wouldn't even have a first stand. That's so right. Native America understand that now. And so when you talk with indigenous natives in America, he said Indians. He don't say what tribe he's from. He recognized the nation that they fought to maintain their dignity and they got rid of their tribal religion and rituals to fight the occupation and the murder or the plantation of the indigenous people. This is history. Just go look at the Native American. They showed you how they did it. They came together and kicked Custer butt. Black that's power. right. Black power. That's right. It's absolutely right. And that's that's all we're saying, you know, that they didn't get caught up into uh, I'm of this, I'm of that. They understood one common enemy, that and that particular enemy had one common objective, aim, and goal. And that's it. And those that did divide, that did collaborate, which you always have in any conquer, oppress people situation. You're always, from the oppressed people, you're always going to have collaborators. You're, that's, you know what, that's something that you, you, you can't even avoid. You're always going to have them sellouts. But, like Sam McCarthy said, had they come to this realization earlier, they wouldn't be damn near an exterminated people. An exterminated people. Think about that. You know, these are some of the things in history we need to go back and look at that we take for granted. We're walking around here. This land was full of Native Americans. We walk around here. We enjoy this amenity and that amenity and don't even think about a people that were here that were almost exterminated, genocide. We read about it, Rwanda, Bosnia, and we're removed from it because it's distant. But it happened here in the history of this place. And we don't take a cue from history that we're dealing with a people and a system, a government that is not above the total eradication and extermination of any ethnicity that gets in their way of their overall goals, agendas, aims, and objectives. They're not above it. And we won't even take the measures to begin to safeguard ourselves in practical, uh, with practical, applicable solutions 
as just accountable spending. I'm not telling anybody. I know they listen to the radio. I'm not telling anybody, rise up, run and do this, or run and do that sensational, empty rhetoric bullshit. I'm not, you not hearing me say that. I'm saying be accountable with your damn dollar. You spend it anyway. You spend it anyway. Now, I'm going to let Kim back on. Love me some Kim, but she said, you know, well, we need to get away from the dollar. I, and she's right, eventually down the line. But right now, you spend it. Every one of us spends it. Every one of us gets out there and strives for it. It's not a one of us that don't do it. And that's just to live. I'm not even talking about for us to be material. Just to live our day-to-day existence. So if we're going through that much painstaking effort to obtain a dollar, why shouldn't we be accountable? Why wouldn't we be responsible? Why wouldn't we say, how can I maximize this buck? Not just in the materials that I obtain, but in the spiritual, psychological, and social ramifications of this dollar. What I mean is, when I spend this dollar, is it going to hurt somebody black? That's it. That's, that's all I'm asking. If we can begin right there, let me tell you, we will begin to see a change. We talk about how much the movie Black Panther made. Like you said, now watch them Kata and Panda, all kind of superhero movies and everything toward targeting African people. And I'm not mad at it to a degree. Because Negroes is going to spend money, so I'd rather them portray us as a superhero than as some angry black woman, some cheating-ass nigga, some dope dealer gangbanger. Damn, if you're going to get my dollar at least, I was kicking some ass. I was a hero if you're going to get it anyway. Damn, thank you. At the very least. But when we begin to understand, because they know the value of your buck, we don't. When we begin to demand... Like they said in their revolution, no taxation without representation. Representation. When we begin to demand some representation, some type of uh, reciprocity for this dollar, when we begin to demand some, some equability, some, some type of equal something reflecting us that is positive and beneficial to us as Africans for our dollar, watch how shit starts to change. At least in the very beginning, nobody can say you can change the sentiment of America. We understand that this country is, is, is saturated. The fabric of this country is intertwined and interwoven with racism and discrimination, exploitation, the murder, the rape, the atrocities committed against human beings, and it's specifically those I'm speaking of now, I'm sure the natives have their grief and grief, their beef and grievances, but I'm speaking about us of African descent and ancestry. This country was founded on our misery. So we're not going to change their sentiments. They're not going to give us anything, but when we begin to demand for this so-called dollar, some proper representation, in order to get that dollar, they would do it. Have we not seen it in the Montgomery bus boycotts? We had to sit on back of the bus 
You think all of a sudden they was like, oh, that's wrong. We did Rosa Parks wrong. You know, Dr. King is making a lot of sense. We should make them sit on the beach. He's like, no. When they but when they boycotted, they begin to understand the power of nigger pennies. They understood that. That's the language capitalists talk. You hit that, you hit that pocket. They said, you know what? Let the Negroes sit where the Negroes want to sit. My only problem with that is I wish Dr. King would have been a black nationalist because he wouldn't have stopped at a bus boycott. He just said, let's boycott the bus. In fact, let's start our own bus company. That's what the black nationalist said. He said, shit, not only are we going to take keep our dollar from these white boys and these racists and these oppressors, we're going to get that black dollar to circulate in our community. We're going to start our own bus company. I would have loved to see that, but, you know, we learn from history. So learning from history, understanding that premise that they value your dollar above valuing you should make us begin to do things that demand that demand something in return. The days of blind allegiance and blind spending must come to an end. Must come to an end. We must demand something for our labor, our dollar, our efforts, our ingenuity, and everything that we put back in this community. Demand it, and not for them before the edification and building and uplifting and unifying and advancing and liberating of African people here in America. I got 10 minutes. I'm opening you up one more time, Kim. Okay. Um, let me see. Um, let me roll back to what I wanted to come in on. You said think as a nation. If, you know, we start thinking as a nation, this is just my opinion then we will understand that we no longer have to abide by their rules. This is our land. And we'll start back taking some shit. We talk about spending the dollar, fuck the dollar. The dollar has no value whatsoever. The only value that dollar has is the nigga that's pushing the damn dollar. We need to deteriorate the dollar bill. Why is it that other countries and, and continents or nations or whatever you want to refer to them as has got rid of the dollar bill and has came up with their own currency or way of trade, and the Negro the only one that always wants to hyper, you know, hyperventilate the goddamn dollar? We the only ones that's inflating the shit. We keep this government going. Stop spending the damn dollar. Forget a boycott. That boycott didn't do number change their damn laws, and we still got laws because we can to ride the bus that we boycotted that's supposed to be free. So all of that shit is a bunch of bullshit. What we need to do, and in my opinion, in my opinion, because I don't want to keep saying what we need to do, I agree with you on that. I listened to Brother Kahar. We had, you know, a lot of alliances everywhere, and that's the biggest threat that the government hated. Martin Luther King, Malcolm X, even Huey P. Newton. All these assassination attempts didn't happen until they spoke out about the fucking wars on Vietnam, until they started realizing that there is no way out of no way unless we start to reconstruct ourselves. Huey P. Newton didn't start the uh, government or, as you say, the grits programs and shit with no dollar. He got out here and got one, just like, um, Fred Hampton said they didn't talk about the shit They got one They didn't wait on no dollar bill They didn't sit up here and try to figure out How to circulate no damn currency They just figured out how to get the damn grits Because the resources was there Niggas had grits in their house when they didn't have a dollar 
So we got to quit focusing on that. And I just want to make one more thing. I just want to say one more thing, sir, and I'm going to be quick. I hear everybody saying how we build the people. We can't do that. Fuck that. Everybody got their own way of thinking. H. Rob Brown told us back in the damn 60s, when oppression-wise, that were organized, niggas, what we had to do as organizations is be prepared with the resources and the damn defense department in order for us to be able to substantiate our people and make sure that they are not hurt or taken down in this fight. Until then, we can't worry about organizing niggas. Niggas going to organize themselves when the dollar bill and the food stamps stop coming. Until then, we should be strategically coming up with programs and collecting all of the damn resources that we can so that we can be prepared to accept our people. And last but not least, we need to do what Malcolm and Brother Tupac and everybody did. Quit judging our people. We need to get all our niggas out the streets. Get everybody who wants drugs out of there. Them still our niggas out there. And free all my real niggas that's behind these prison walls. They built prisons to take real niggas off the streets so when we fight, the great white flight can accomplish some shit. We need to go back to the weathermen. We need to go back to Black Liberation Army, the Panther Party, and all of those people that came before us that showed us how to pave the way, learn from that shit, and start fighting. Until then, we will have nothing. Our nation will not be recognized because revolution ain't going to be televised. It's that bloodshed in that damn street. Thank you very much, sir. Power to all oppressed people. Power to all oppressed people. There again, I'm going to disagree with you. <laughs> I'm about to disagree with you because you talk about the grits. Shit, who bought the grits? You can't. When we talk about currency in another country changing the currency, there are resources to buy the currency. If black people, you live somewhere, Kim. You pay rent. You eat food. You go to the grocery store and buy food. If you don't, then you don't eat. Or even if you hustle it up or however you get it, somebody somewhere is spending a dollar. There is no way around that at this point of time. That's what I'm talking about. We have to be realistic. We can say all that. I hear you. It sounds good. What black people need to stop doing is obeying the laws. Then they take you to prison. You don't have an army to back up. They, it's not their law. Do you think all of these Negroes just have obeyed their laws out of the goodness of their heart? They have law enforcement. That's what they call law enforcement. They back it up with a military might. With a physical might, everything is, it's not just we want to, a, a lot of us are doing stuff willy-nilly. We get out here, you have to pay a light bill. You're talking on the phone. Either you got a house phone or a cell phone. Some kind of way you're on this radio program. Currency has been exchanged. Ain't no way around that. So now what we have to do, since we understand the currency is being exchanged and we don't have the resources, the resources to back some currency that we create. See, if we created a new currency, what backs it? It's not us that cause inflation. Inflation is because these suckers have lied and keep printing money and they don't have a resource to back it. Their money used to be backed by gold. Ain't shit backing this dollar now. Nothing but you and I. They're selling our labor. They're selling us. We back the damn dollar. So I agree with you. We could change the currency if we had the means and modes of production to back whatever we change our currency to. But we can't change the currency, just make a new bill and go into the store and say, I want something to eat. Here, accept this bill. This is what we're using now. It don't work like that. And you know it don't work like that. 
So in order for us to begin that process of nation building, it's going to start with accountability. It's going to start with responsibility. We have to demand the boom for our buck. If I got to spend it with you, meaning the system, I can choose what store I spend it with. What store at this particular time until we get a store offers the best service? What store doesn't support atrocities in the Congo? What product doesn't exploit uh, child labor that doesn't back politicians that hate Africans here in America that lobby and pass laws that are designed for our detriment, extermination, incarceration? Just being accountable and responsible None of us are in a position, and I don't even believe you are, in a position to drop everything, get up, and walk out and go where? Where? Where in this United States, continental United States, can the black man and woman get up, walk out, and go with nothing? You talk about bloodshed. Where are you buying the bullets? Where are you buying the so-called guns? Where are you buying the survival equipment? Where? Are we going to go to storm? We're going to be like the Palestinians, throwing rocks at tanks. Where does the day has come that our people, I, in my opinion, I think we should stop selling our people utopic ideas. We should stop selling them fantasies and dreams, address the issues that affect us realistically. And our people, even if we could, I don't think we can, but if we could, are our people in the mindset to drop everything and walk away. And if they're not, do we say, this is why we can't have a revolution, because they don't do it my way. Is that what we're saying? Because they haven't accepted Yang's idea in how to bring about a social, constructive social change, do I say, this is why we can't have a revolution? No. The revolution must meet the revolutionary, understands we must meet the masses where the masses are at then we must elevate the masses to a revolutionary understanding, the one that they can participate in. The revolutionary understands that he or she job is to inspire the masses to participate in their own self-determination, to participate in their own liberation struggle, not to dictate, not to scream out orders. And if they don't do it, begin to berate them and belittle them and say that we're not ready for a revolution because we ain't did it my way. Such arrogance. Right, this is neo-colonialism. Colonialism in its finest is thinking like the white man. If you don't do it the white man's way, then we have something for you Negroes that don't subscribe to our tenements, that don't subscribe to our way of doing things. No, the revolutionary understands that the revolution is about freeing the masses of African people. You can't free the masses when you impose and dictate a philosophy and an ideology upon them and force them to live by that. Meet them where they're at. Get them to understand the importance of sacrificing certain things for their freedom. But first, they must taste freedom. Not taking them from one oppressive situation to another one. We want to take our people from this oppressive situation, lead them into the wilderness of the woods with no medical facilities, no basic accommodations, no nothing, and say, this is how we free ourselves from the white man. And I just don't agree with that. I think you'll be a bunch of Negroes living in the bushes. Still, 
having to use their resources to build up your society, their nails, their hammers, their everything. Listen, boy, this time is gone. I'm your brother and your host, National Chairman Yang and Krumah. It's been People's Black Time for Self-Determined Ball Talk Radio. Thank you for listening. Catch us next Tuesday. All powers to oppressed people, African power to an African people. One time. Yeah. Yo, all I need is one mic, one beat, one stage, one nigga front, my face on the front page. Only if I had one gun, one girl, and one crib, one God to show me how to do things his son did. Pure, like a cup of virgin blood, mixed with 151, one sip, I'll make a nigga flip. Writing names on my hollow tips, plotting shit, mad violence, who I'm gonna body this hood.